VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Right on Hollywood with Christian Toto, part of the Just the News Podcast Network. Sick of media bias infecting film reviews? Furious that too many stars insult your views? Right on Hollywood has your back. Christian is an award-winning journalist, movie critic, and founder of HollywoodinToto.com, the right take on entertainment. Now here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to Right on Hollywood, a proud member of the Just the News Podcast Network. This week's show is brought to you by The Batman, opening March 4th in theaters everywhere. The Dark Knight finally gets his big screen close-up at long last. Well, it's official. The Oscars will have not one or two. We'll have three hosts. Three. Three's always better than one, isn't it? So who are these groundbreaking comics, the people who are going to force us to watch the show that everyone has been tuning out for the last few years? Meet Amy Schumer. Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall. No, the Babylon Bee hasn't crashed right on Hollywood. Those are the actual hosts who are supposed to make us watch this show again and reverse that ratings nosedive. Really? No fooling. Where do we start? How about choosing two hard-left comics who will further alienate half the country, the same half the country that tuned out years ago from the Oscars? That's an easy observation, but you still got to say it. I think that Hollywood bubble is made of adamantium, with a little nod to my Comic-Con friends. What's next? I mean, Schumer's career has been in freefall for years. Her solo films have been flopping lately, after the excellent train wreck really kind of introduced her as a movie star. Today she's much more known for her political activism than her comedy. You couldn't make a worse pick. I know she's a stand-up comedian. She can be funny, but wow, that is just the wrong tone, the wrong choice. Was Trevor Noah busy? What about John Oliver? Did he have a dental appointment that weekend? Unbelievable. As for Wanda Sykes, again, she's pretty funny too. She's kind of brassy. She's got a real stage presence, but she's also a hard-charging partisan. Another one. And when was the last time anyone was talking about Wanda Sykes? There's like zero buzz here. Now, I'm not even sure what to say about Regina Hall. She's a talented actress. She's worked constantly over the years. She was pretty good in the Scary Movie franchise. That's funny stuff, right? Well, great, but she's an Oscar host? Where did that come from? She's not a stand-up comedian. All these decisions, it just speaks volumes about where we're going with the Oscar host. Uh, a friend of mine, the quartering, <laughs> he, had, he had a funny tweet. I can't, even, I can't even completely cite what he said, but he basically said they're throwing in the towel when it comes to Oscar ratings. He's right. That's what they've done. They've thrown in the towel. They've admitted we have no interest in, you know, steering the ship back to shore. We just want to keep on keeping on and watch those ratings numbers fall. 
Now, another thing is that it's pretty clear that they know host Oscars. That's not working either. We had three years of that. Not good. And at least they're acknowledging that was a disaster, a mistake. I also think, who, who turned the gig down? When you turn to Regina Hall, again, she's a fine actress. There's nothing wrong with her. But how many other people do you have to reach out to and say, hey, would you like to host the Oscars? They say no. Then you go down the list and down the list. She's not an A-list star. Nothing wrong with her. She's not going to bring people to the show, period. Hey, she may surprise us all and do a fine job. That's wonderful. Most actresses have that in them. Most actors have it in them. Fine, great, good. We're talking about the buzz, the perception, the ability to draw fresh faces into this presentation, to bring some people back who have just given up on the presentation entirely. This isn't working. I, I just can't imagine who would look at the nominees this year and then check out the trio of hosts and go, you know what? I was a bit skeptical, but I'm in. I want to see what's going to go on. Now, you know, all of this, what we're talking about, it doesn't take away from the problems here, the intractable problems. The show is too long. It's predictable. It's filled with politics. It's always left of center politics. The stars, when they win their awards, give lectures that's alienate half the country. Some of them may be heartspoken and, and, and kind. Others could be just downright mean. Now, the show's inability to build any kind of buzz, it, it couldn't be more obvious. In the last few days, we've seen people basically making fun of the whole enterprise. Kevin Smith slammed the show. You got you to put Spider-Man No Way Home in there or I'm not watching. Seth Rogen has said, you know, why are we even asking people to watch? This is an industry show. It's about awards for our peers. Why would anyone want to join? Really interesting. Jimmy Kimmel, of course, publicly mocked the Oscars as well from his pulpit at MEC. This is not good. This is supposed to be reverent material. This is the best of the best actors in Hollywood, the creme de la creme, the, the ultimate commercial for the Oscars and the movies. Nope. Now it's a laughing stock. Now, <laughs> the show itself, by golly, three hours long, you know it's going to sail past that mark. Nothing, nothing in our lives should be three hours long except, well, maybe if Thanos is hanging around. I love, I love those Avengers movies. I can, they go three hours, I'm in. Otherwise, no, no, it's a full stop. They still can't crack that mark. And the fact that they're going to have three Oscar hosts, one for each hour, is a sign they don't even try. Now, part of the problem here as well is it's just the way the landscape has changed. It makes it less fun to watch the Oscars. It used to be cool to see Jack Nicholson. Oh, he's a superstar. We, have to, we don't see him that often. No, we see all the stars all the time. Social media, late night couches. We know them all too well. It's no longer magical to see them. It just isn't. And plus, of course, when you've, you're about to watch the Oscars, you've seen maybe the Critics' Choice Awards, the SAG Awards, the Golden Globe Awards. You know, if certain actor X has won three or four or five more awards, chances are he or she's going to win another one. It's just not surprising anymore, which is why you needed a great comic host to make this an event, to kind of put us on edge, to make us ask what's going to happen. A Chappelle, a Gervais, a Bill Burr, that would make it exciting. This is the complete opposite. Team Oscar really claims they want to put on a show, honor movies, and then they give us a trio of actors, actresses who are going to do nothing of the kind to bring more people to the show. And if you think that's, those ratings are going to go up all of a sudden after this announcement, well, I've got a bridge to sell you. 
you're listening to my dad's podcast. He cried like a baby watching Snoopy come home. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This week's Toto's take is Anaconda. Yeah, if you're a new listener, I love B-movies. Love them. Grindhouse stuff, bring it on. When they're good, they're fun, they're pure escapism. That's what Anaconda is. I have to say, I saw it years ago, didn't think much of it at the time or have little memory of it. But watching it again, I was impressed. Let's start with the cast. J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Ice Cube, John Voight, the great John Voight. We even get a little smidge of Danny Trejo in here. That's a cast. For a B-movie, wow. The story itself is pretty basic. You've got a documentary crew sailing down the Amazon. They run into a, uh, a pair of creatures who give them fits. One, of course, is played by John Voight. He is the bad guy. And then, of course, the other is a huge snake. CGI, naturally. Not as good as they can make it today, but good enough. Voight is really chewing, chewing the scenery here. He is the bad guy. He is making life miserable for all of our heroes. And he's got a Paraguayan accent. It's over the top, but it's fun. He knows exactly what this kind of movie needs. A colorful, outlandish villain. Check, check, perfect. Now, you can predict the general uh, arc of the story. You may even predict who lives and who dies. John Voight making it all fun all the way to the end. I won't say what happens to him, but you can imagine. And I tell you, this is a, a film I didn't really know who directed it, kind of looking back, and so I checked it out on IMDb. Luis Losa. Now, I didn't know him. He did a couple other films, including The Specialist. His career really seemed to dry up shortly after this film, and that's really surprising. This is a well-crafted movie. This isn't art. This isn't Oscar-worthy material. But for the kind of movie it is, it is well put together. High craftsmanship, for sure. I'm surprised we haven't been hearing more of him lately, but who knows where his career headed. I, I think the one thing that did surprise me with the whole movie, though, is that Owen Wilson really didn't stand out here. You know, he's a very good actor. He's done a lot of dramatic stuff. He's got the comedy chops. This is earlier in his career. I don't think he was really kind of comfortable in his full Owen Wilson-ness yet. He isn't great for the material. But otherwise, you know, can't go wrong. And by the way, Jennifer Lopez and Ice Cube, excellent, perfect, great heroes. Loved watching him every step of the way. Now, I know there were some sequels to this film. I don't really recall them. I don't remember them. I think they were straight to DVD. Gosh, was it VHS back then? I'm not even sure. I think we were back in the DVD age. But no matter... Anaconda is a fun B-movie and it's streaming right now on Netflix. Some of the most famous actors in Hollywood history spent time under Abraham Lincoln's stovepipe hat. Think Daniel Day-Lewis, Henry Fonda, Sam Waterston. Those are some pretty big shoes to fill. Now it's Graham Sibley's turn, though. The veteran actor, best known for his work in Sully, Fear the Walking Dead, Dirty John, and many, many other projects, he's playing the title role in the History Channel's Abraham Lincoln. It's a three-part event, and it is an event. It's huge. It begins Sunday, February 20th, and it runs over the next two nights. They're dubbing it a definitive biography of the 16th president, and it's up to Sibley to play the part as well as possible and to distinguish himself from those other august actors. That's a tall task, man. But... Turns out he's been studying this and studying this, and he almost missed the part, but 
not this part. If that sounds a little confusing, he's going to straighten it out in a minute. I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Graham Sibley. I think you're going to learn a thing or two about him and old Abe. I know I did. Graham, I understand you did a ton of research about Abraham Lincoln for another project. And then, of course, the pandemic came in the way. And then this happened. The History Channel came along. Talk a little bit about how, you know, getting cast as as President Lincoln, it seems like such an honor for an actor and such a unique experience. How did this all come to be? Um, well, uh, it actually, um, my friend Justin Falk um, called me up and said, it was actually the day that George Floyd died. Um, and uh, he called me uh, and said, that they were going to be making a movie about um, the Lincoln Douglas debates. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and he said, do you want to play Abraham Lincoln? And, and it was, it was like uh, a small little movie and, and it was going to be a, maybe a couple of days of like kind of reenactment stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was like co- middle of the quarantine COVID stuff happening. And, and um, not much was happening with my, <laughs> acting career because everything was dead you know and um you were in good company everyone was shut down everyone was shut down and um and my wife was super busy my 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 wife is a a screenwriter and she was super busy and i uh i had the the challenge and pleasure of looking after our uh eight month old uh twin boys oh gosh (laughs) so it was uh we were they were napping twice a day at this point and, um, you know, I, when Justin asked me, you know, would I do this? I thought this just seems like an incredible way to fail. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, with the stovetop hat and freeing mm-hmm. the sleeves, like, I, you know, just all of that felt really like, and then not to mention just the whole Daniel Day Lewis and all of the other monumental performances that, that has, that have come before i just didn't want to take i just didn't feel like this is not for me it's a big shadow Um, for sure yeah i just was like this is this is not for me and then i realized that you know through our conversation and just talking about it more i was like i'm just afraid and um so i i agreed to do it and it was like nothing else going on (laughs) and i i took uh i took the the nap times when we were um, you know, when I was looking after the boys and I just, I just sunk in six or seven hours. They were napping probably three hours at a, a time at, at both, uh, both naps. And I just sunk my teeth into this. And I just, I just couldn't stop digging and it just kept going and going and going. And then, and then Justin's, I wasn't able to do Justin's film, um, uh, because of COVID restrictions and stuff. And, and, uh, and, um, it shattered me. I mean, I was just, I, it was going to be three days of like little tiny reenactments and I was just destroyed because I had just built this whole man and I, or, or some version of it in three or four months, you know, it was about three months. And, um, and then I had to let it go. And, um, and then it came back around mm-hmm. about six months later and Lorraine Mayfield, who's a, a casting director here in, uh, in LA and, and she um, she reached out and she was like, would you be interested in auditioning for, at the time it was sort of this, 
it was, uh, I just signed an NDA and I didn't know what it was I was auditioning for. And she just <laughs> said, European director shooting in South Africa. And I was like, well, sure. <laughs> that sounds fun. Um, and, um, and then we got the NDA and, uh, I, I looked at it and I, I, my wife was with me and I printed it off and I looked at it and I said, Marilyn, look at this. <laughs> and it was Abraham Lincoln. And we both started crying because we knew I, I was like, this one's mine. Like, this is mine. I know it. Wow. And it's like and it meant to be. Yeah. The tape was due a week later and I had turned it in at 3 PM that same day. Cause I knew every, I had built him. I had studied him. I had, and it was three months. I mean, I, I, it was, it was not, I mean, there's, you know, so much more to learn about him in that time, but I had made a lot of choices and I felt, I felt strong about making them. And I was so excited to just have another opportunity to do it. This project has a, a bit of a more personal look at Lincoln. I think that's not what we often see. We see sort of more of these grander gestures. When you're researching him and that side of him, how do you find that information? I would imagine that's harder to uncover than all the basic sort of the, the sort of the timeline of his life. Is is that a deeper dive for you? And how do you kind of do that research? Well, there's something like 16,000 books written on, on Abraham Lincoln. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of material out there to, to discover. And um, he's just been, he's just so revered. He's so, he's so explored, you know, um, under such a microscope. And there's, there's all sorts of stuff personal accounts and, um, you know, I think we owe a lot to his law partner, um, Herndon, who, who, you know, was his biographer, um, first biographer, I believe. And, and there's a lot in there, a lot of specificities about the way he walked and talked Mm. and how he interacted with people. And, and then, you know, you can also look at his writing, you know, he was such an incredible writer, you know, and, um, you know, that is, that's a real way into, uh, to him as well. He's, he's, he's just so accessible, you know? Yeah. Um, it's almost, so, like, it's almost uh, like he knew that the, the history would be looking back on him and, and he'd be so important, sort of uh, fortuitous. Now, obviously you mentioned Daniel Day-Lewis. There's so many actors who have played this role in the past. Do you kind of mentally just push them aside? Do you absorb what they did and, and integrate it into your performance? How do you, as an actor, come up with, with the version that you bring to this particular project? I was terrified um, to uh, take on um, Lincoln. And Daniel Day-Lewis's Lincoln is so magnificent. Um, and not to mention Henry Fonda and, you know, Sam Waterston and Hal Holbrook's performance. He won an Emmy, I think, in the 70s for his, um, his Lincoln. It's increasing. He's incredible. Um, I, I, I also am a painter. And um, in the three-month process of um, preparing for Justin's film, mm-hmm. I, uh, I wanted to find a way to, um, 
I wanted to figure out a way to, to do something different with him um, and bring m my own sort of subjective take um, on, on him, you know? Um, so what I did was um, I worked with Kushner's script and I worked on some of those longer monologues um, in Spielberg's Lincoln. And um, at first, I wanted to find how, how and where Daniel Day-Lewis placed his voice. Mm -hmm. um, and then I wanted to kind of feel the rhythm of it. So I, I studied those, those monologues um, moment to moment, and I would pause it, and I would do it, and I, would, and I worked on that, doing it exactly how Daniel Day-Lewis did it. And then I, I wanted to cross-reference with the facts that I was finding as well. So, um, and then also studying, you know, Hal Holbrooks and Sam Waterston and Henry Fonda and trying to find these moments of poaching moments that I felt like felt authentic and, mm -hmm. and right to the facts that I was discovering. And then I, at some point, threw all of that away and started experimenting on my own um, and 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 just testing it out recording different versions of his voice recording um movements and walking and i i have a little studio in my house and and i just i just moped around you know as, as abraham lincoln mm -hmm. and and trying to find him i trying to find him and trying to find my own version of him and and what i needed to dis to disregard from other performers and and what I wanted to embrace with my own self, you know. We, you mentioned you're a painter. You mean you sort of approach it in a painterly fashion where you kind of build up layers and layers. Hello? Did you hear that? Oh, oh no, sorry. Oh, that's great. I was saying, you, you said you were, you're, you're a painter. Did you mention like you were building it up as layers and layers and sort of constructing it the way you might make, um, approach a canvas? Sometimes painters, um, in a way, yeah, um, but sometimes painters paint like the masters to learn how okay. gotcha. they actually do it, mm -hmm. you know, and then, the, and then you can throw it all away. And that's Interesting. kind of what, that was my approach on this is okay. like, there've been some amazing performances, like how did they do it? And I right. wanted to get inside of how they did it down to the moment and down to the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then throw all that all away and find my own rhythm. I'm a, I'm a recovering art major. So I was just really curious about that, that part mm. of the approach, uh, you know, I, I suspect because he's such a public figure still today that we know a lot about Lincoln. And then I'm guessing that maybe there are some misperceptions that we have about Lincoln. Does Can you share maybe does this particular project debunk some of them or maybe clarify some of them? Is there anything that we'll learn from that perspective from the three-part series? Yeah. You know, I mean, our whole mission was to really – unveil who he was as a man mm -hmm. and how those decisions and experiences throughout his life led him to make the decisions he did um, and lead the way he did. Um, and I think that something that really hit me um, in my research and, and discovery was I knew he was a melancholic man, but I didn't know how depressed he was. 
Um, and I think he, he had a very unhappy, tumultuous marriage, mm-hmm. I think. You know, he, um, he had a very difficult relationship with his father. Um, you know, his grandfather was, uh, was murdered by a, by a, by a native, um, shot right in, right in the field there. And I think his, uh, his, his father there, I think witnessed it, you know? Um, so there were all of these sort of private moments that he didn't talk about much at all. Um, that I found super fascinating, you know, um, well, they and, made him, they made him who he is, you know, and they made him the leader he was. So that's, that's, you know, it's like our own lives that we have our own misfortunes and turmoil and, and that shapes us in a way. So it's fascinating to see that on a scale of Lincoln. Yeah. And I think the other thing, you know, when you think about him as a man and how he was, how he, how he became a man, you know, his, his father, uh, his mother died and his father left, left him and his sister, um, in the, in the woods for months, I I think almost a year. And they were left to, you know, fend for themselves. And, um, then he comes back with, a with, a with another woman and, you know, who was uh, very loving to him and, 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 and that experience also, how does that track, where, where does that, how does that trauma of being abandoned actually filter through your whole life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so there's all of those things like that were just so interesting to me because, you know, that's just sort of, you know, that's just really good stuff as an actor. Yeah. <clears throat> now here's the, the, the corny or obvious question. Why Lincoln and why now? What, what are some things we can draw from his life and legacy today? Obviously, we're living in tumultuous times. A, a, any period, you know, I think when you reconnect with a, with a figure like this, there are lessons to be learned or connections to be made. What, what, what do you sort of see? The, what kind of cultural connections do you think we'll make from this particular production? Democracy is really hard. Um, and I think that um, we need to be reminded of our privilege and uh, how we must um, move forward um, in this experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what he called it, and um, this 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 fantastic experiment. Um, and I I think that you know we do we live in these really very tumultuous times and, and uh, where, you know, the debate over each issue is, is so angry. Um, And, you know, I think of it as kind of like, you know, living with two divorced parents who hate each other, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that kid doesn't feel safe, you know, and he doesn't make, or she doesn't make good decisions (laughs) often. And I, I kind of feel like there's something in that, you know, there's something in that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to learn about issues. Um, you know, we live in very, it's very partisan and, and, and I think, you know, taking what I learned from Lincoln's leadership and his, the way he navigated the most, uh, 
divided time in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was very patient, you know, and, and I think to his, some people didn't like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, but he was very patient and he ended up making the right decisions. Yeah. And, and I think that we need to, to look at that as well. Gotcha. You know, I was looking at your resume. It's just chock full. You're busy, busy working with some amazing shows, but I didn't notice. I I didn't notice you worked with Clint Eastwood on Sully, which is a great movie, by the way. Everyone I think knows yeah, that. It, talk a little about working with him and what you know, collaborating with someone of his stature, with all that all that uh, experience and the gravitas of being Clint Eastwood. Uh, was it? Was it uh, different than you expected? What did he bring to the table? I know he's a very efficient worker. I've heard that through the years. Obviously, he knows what the American people wants to see on screen. That's been proven again and again. But w- when you're when you're working alongside him, and w- what's what was your takeaway? <laughs> yeah, Clint um, Clint Eastwood. Um, well, I I call him Uncle Clint, um, <laughs> not because we're that close, but because he sends me um, really sizable checks on a very regular basis. <laughs> okay. Um, he doesn't so, send them to me, so good good for you. <laughs> that's great, Uncle Clint, man, delivering again. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, Clint was amazing. I mean, it was I was so honored to uh to be in his movie um and to work with him he is a very efficient worker you know uh director um it was a gargantuan movie and there were a hundred million pieces and we shot on the hudson river and and we shot on a giant in universal studios a giant uh, stage there with a, a crashed plane in the in you know in the um in the water tank up there and hundreds of extras. And, you know, there was just so many moving pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was my turn uh, and the camera was on me, um, his, uh, I had a question, you know, and uh, I'm hanging off the, off the side of a, of a boat um, and there's waves and just it's going crazy. And I'm saving this woman. And, uh, and I said, Clint, you know, what, is this okay? What am I doing? And he was like, just do what you think's appropriate. <laughs> and um, so that was my takeaway from, from Clint Eastwood. Uh-huh. Um, well, I he trusted so you. grateful mm-hmm. that he chose me to be working with him. I mean, that was a real honor. I had one last question, but before that, you kind of touch on something I've always been curious about. I'm guessing the, the Uncle Clint and the check was a residual situation. And yeah. I also imagine that maybe actors, you know, decades ago didn't have the residuals. The, I guess the Brady Bunch kids didn't get paid with the when the show was on reruns forever. It is as a as a regular working actor, is that sort of part of your revenue stream that when a project is very successful, that that will be sort of coming your way? I, I don't want to get too personal. You don't have to share the numbers, obviously, but is that is that just part of being a, a successful working actor that if your if your projects hit, that there's that there's sort of the the, that, that comes your way. It is the lifeblood of <laughs> okay. an actor's <laughs> career. Without them, it <laughs> is impossible to continue going. Okay, you know, um, you uh, you you need them, you know, and uh, and the health insurance that goes along with it. Sure, you know, being uh, being a union actor is uh, a very very. Uh, it's a huge privilege. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, the residuals that keep coming, you know, on all the different TV shows and stuff, mm. you know, I, I, 
I definitely, it's definitely a huge part of my income. Great. You know, you have many uncles, which is, which is fortunate. Many uncles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Many uncles. Excellent. Well, I, you know, you're working so much, you've got these high profile projects and obviously you're a talented fellow. I don't want to dismiss that, but I would think Hollywood is so competitive and it's so tough to get a gig. And there's so many people trying to do what you're doing that there's something extra that someone like you has to do to, to kind of be so prolific, to be in demand. Can you share anything about what you've learned as a working actor? Is it, you know, is it marketing yourself maybe better than your competitor? Is it sort of being be able to take any role, any time? What makes someone like you able to really thrive? Or maybe others who are, you know, talented as well, really struggle? I, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm always fascinated by the, the success stories, which is, you know, which is what you are. Well, thank you. Um, it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> I know it's hard work. <laughs> um, you know, it's 20 years. It's 22 years of, of working. And um, some years are really good and some years are not. And I think the key um, for me, and I have, I do not have the answers. <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out as yeah, no, I go. There's no hard set answers, obviously, but I was curious. Yeah. I, I, it's a, it is an uphill battle every day to, um, continue creating, um, and finding inspiration, um, in life. Uh, I think that, I think that being a successful actor takes, um, I think it takes self-discipline. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes um, courage to see your, um, I don't know, to see, to see your blind spots, you know, mm -hmm. to see where you need to, you need to work on. And I, I think it's, you know, our job, my job, I feel like is to um, discover someone's humanity and that is a very complicated process and I think that the more you understand about yourself and how you work and feel about, about certain things um, I think right now where I am in my career and my process is I think that that helps yeah you know well I think you may have even answered my question right at the start because you mentioned you worked for three months researching a role which didn't even happen of course it did eventually but you didn't know that at the time so you, you put in the legwork you understood what was what was asked of you and that's that's probably part of the success story as well but uh Graham thank you so much for joining right on Hollywood of course don't miss the History Channel's three-part event, and it is an event, Abraham Lincoln, starting February 20th, and of course, that's President Day weekend. And uh, all the best, Graham, and maybe we'll talk again about another project. Thank you so very much, Christian. It's a real pleasure. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Thank you for listening to Ride on Hollywood, part of the Just the News podcasting family. 
As you know, my new book, Virtue Bombs, How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost and Stole, is available right now. And after you've read that, you can visit HollywoodInToto.com, the right take on entertainment. Yes, that is my website. This is my podcast, and I can plug if I want to, with apologies to Leslie Gore. Everyone have a great week, and let's make our schools mask-free, finally, please. Thanks for listening to the Right on Hollywood podcast, part of the Just the News Network. We'd love to hear from you about the show. You can email Christian at HollywoodInToto.com. And please don't forget to rate and review us at Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews make our day. But just speak from the heart. Free speech matters more than ever. Thank you.